listening to Gadgets for Families, the show where you get two grandpas talking about tech. And this week, I'm hoping this topic doesn't make us sound too old-fashioned or too out of touch with what's going on in the world today. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You may get a couple of rants from us, but uh, we're going to push through it. So Back in my day, we used to have to walk to school <laughs> uphill both ways. Yep, yep. So hopefully we don't sound like that. But Greg sent me an article uh, a while back, and it, it just simply said, good read. So it took me a day or two to get to it. Um, but when I finally did, I, I read it, and it was a very good read. And it was about this increase in um, the uh, remote workforce, uh, so to speak. You know, that's that's what we'll call it. Or uh, what it's properly named is uh, what's known as digital nomads. Now, I know what you're thinking. I work from home all the time. And if I just so happen to work from Chuck E. Cheese that day while my kids are on spring break, that makes me a digital nomad too, right? No. It doesn't. <laughs> so these are a little bit more complicated than just your average fire up the VPN. I'm not going into the office that day, uh, you know, type of people. These people, they structure their entire lives around working remotely, right? They, they, they live and they travel in the places that they want to go to and and uh, still be able to maintain their daily duties from their jobs and, you know, from their from their nine to fives and things like that. So today on G4F, we're going to be talking about the rise of digital nomads and what exactly is it? Why are people doing it? And some of the takeaways and, and things that we like from the article uh, and also some things that we may not have liked too much, too, from the article. So with that being said, I'm your host, Jay Benjamin. And I'm your host, Greg Cunningham, and uh, I'm excited about this. We're definitely going to talk about the tech aspect of this, because this is enabled yep. by tech, but this is a, a cultural shift, I think, that's happening. So if yep. you've listened to my other podcast, you know that I can get really philosophical sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I might get philosophical on this, because I really do feel like there's this cultural shift that's happening, but we'll talk about it as we go in. So thanks for joining us today. Yep, yep. And we're going to finish up with the uh, a rumor roundup of all the latest iPad rumors. You know, Greg and I are both, uh, well, I, I'm more excited than he is. Uh, he may wait. We'll see. It, it all I'm depends excited. on the announcement. It's just the question of which iPad am I the most excited about? Right, right. Because the one that you want may not come till later on this year, but we'll see. So we'll just do a rumor roundup um, just, just to update everyone. I know we talk about this almost weekly, but. Uh, we'll we'll do that, and also stick around for the post show. Where we're going to talk about. Uh, I guess we're going to go into a deeper dive about the topic today, right? And one interesting takeaway from the article that's not really related to tech at all, and uh, maybe a bit of a rant for me. So, spoiler alert and, on and, that. And definitely more cultural <laughs> impact in that post show too. So, I, I think so too. I think so. So it may not be as techy as uh, as we're used to, but it all. It all kind of jives. It all kind of runs together. So uh, stick around for that if you guys are interested. But before we jump in, don't forget to do all the, the, the things, right? Do the subscribe, like, and share. And also comment today. Jump in those comments and let us know what you think about today's topics. 
if you have any experience with it or share your opinion on how you feel about digital nomadism or uh, the, the, the folks working extreme remote, right? Not just working 15 minutes away from the office, but from a beach in Maui or, or, you know, somewhere in South America and Mexico or something like that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Share all of that information with us. So we'll, we'll be happy to hear it. So let's just jump right back into this thing. And uh, the topic today is about digital nomads, right? And it started with a, with an article by Gianna Eckhart and Alexandria Anton. Antonova, oh, I practice this I name. So I am so glad you're see. the one trying to say those names and not me. <laughs> I didn't me. want to screw her name up, but Antonasova. Antonasova. So the article was for the Harvard Business Review, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, I encourage all you guys to check that out. That is a really good article, and it really opens your eyes to, again, not just, I'm not going into the office today, I'm just going to fire my VPN, and actually building a lifestyle around digital nomadism. So, um, Greg, let's just start off with what exactly is digital nomadism? If you want yeah, to so answer that for us. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing about this article is it was really written from a, hey, here's some business opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. What can brands or marketing teams or whatever do to support this new digital nomad, quote unquote, movement? And um one of the stats that they quoted is that digital nomadism has gone up 131% since 2019. Right. And and you right. look at the pandemic and you go, oh, well, yeah, of course, remote work is much, much higher from that. <laughs> but if you've paid attention to remote work, it's starting to pull back, right? I mean, big companies mm-hmm. are starting to pull people back into the office. And so digital nomadism is not like Jason said, I just, I have equipment that allows me to work from home on occasion. Digital nomadism are people that have jobs or careers, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. And they have, let me put it this way. This is the old grandpas coming out in this. They don't really have physical roots anywhere. Yep. Right. So these are people that don't have a lease on an apartment. These are people that don't have a home. Right. So if you had to give a physical address, which is one of my concerns about this whole concept, if you have to give a physical address for something, they really don't have anything permanent to be able to provide unless they're going to provide like their parents' physical address, you know, or something, yep. something like that. So, but these are folks, they have careers, they're working from wherever it makes sense. And it's a cultural shift that says, I want to travel. I mm-hmm. want to do all of these other things. I don't want to have things. I want to do things. And so I'm going to choose a job or a career or whatever the case may be that's going to allow me to do what I want from wherever I want. And right. there's some big hotspots, right? I think they mentioned Bali and was it Estonia? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But some places I would not have put high on my list of things that countries have started <laughs> issuing quote unquote, digital nomad visas, right? right that allow right. you to come in and work in the country and do all that kind of stuff. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, I won't mention her name, but we had a young lady that was working for us as an intern and mm-hmm. then we hired her and then her significant other got a job in Germany. And she's like, I want right. to go. And I was like, cool by me. I'll I go have fun. 
and right. HR went meh, 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 right. I mean, major <laughs> thumbs down on on the whole process. But yeah. I think today that might be different because of this digital nomad. So again, this is not yeah. just work from home. These are people whose lives are built around traveling and being somewhere else and still doing their jobs. Right, right. And you mentioned things like, you know, the, the digital nomad visa from certain com- countries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, this is more than just getting an Airbnb at a vacation spot, mm-hmm. right? And and saying, I'm just going to extend my vacation for, you know, another two weeks or whatever so I can stay here in Costa Maya, Mexico and 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 still be able to work. This is basically, you know, yeah. 24 hour a day vacation. And then you just work your, your, your eight hours and stuff. And it involves things like, you know, of course, passports, right? If you're staying in any country, yeah. you need a passport. But, you know, making sure that you're up on that country's laws and getting a visa and the documentation and stuff that you need to be able to uh, to be able to work and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit more involved than just firing up the uh, the VPN. So. So I'm going to start. You know, just with this conversation, we're going to keep it simple, right? We're going to, I'm going to ask three questions and then we'll answer those three questions and try to, uh, try to talk this thing through. So question one, I'm going to start with is why do you feel that, that there was an increase, right? Like you mentioned, 131% increase since 2019. Um, I think COVID started a lot of that, but I think that, um, like you said, some of those numbers are coming back, right? Companies are calling people back into the office. 2020, 2021, it was more out of necessity that we had this this huge increase in the remote workforce. But I think a lot of companies noticed that it didn't affect productivity, right? Their numbers didn't go down. People were actually working or working better or, or you know, working harder from these, uh, uh, from you know, from being remote and not being in the office. But I think for people, I think it gave them a, a sense of freedom, right? Yeah. Whether that be a false sense of freedom or not, I, I don't, you know, that's something that we can debate, uh, you know, and include that in the comments if you have an opinion about this. But I think it gave people a sense of freedom. They can work and, like you said, not have any roots. They don't own a car. They don't own their home. They don't have to pay those utilities, right? I saw a documentary um I'll get into that later, what the documentary was really focused on. But there was these people, um, then they work for your Exxon Mobiles and your, you know, your huge companies, your huge tech companies, and they're buying up all of the property in Mexico and things like that. But, you know, for for these folks, they don't have to pay those utilities or whatever, because a lot of them were living in Airbnbs and hotels and things like that. And um, all the cost of all the extra costs involved in owning a home and things like that. But they're basically free from all of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, but I was saying that my, my other point was, isn't that just a symptom of the way, you know, society is now, right? They don't want to own the whole album because they can just stream the two songs they like from the album on Spotify. Right. Why buy the whole album? Why buy a stove and a microwave in your little apartment? You know, Uber Eats can literally bring you breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. So you don't even have to learn how to cook. You can eat all of your favorite food 
all day, every day, and someone could just bring it to you. So and they used to say, you know, home is where the heart is. Now home is where the, wherever the high-speed internet and the Airbnb is, right? Yeah. So I think it's that that sense of freedom that, that people want that that's what's driving this increase in digital nomadism. I don't know. What do you think, Rick? What do you think is driving this, this increase? I told you we run the risk of me getting philosophical in this, right? So <laughs> no, um, let's get into it. For those that don't know, I mean, the other part of my business is consulting, digital transformation consulting. And when I think about that, several years ago, I wrote an article that's, I think it's still floating around out on uh, LinkedIn about um, Netflix and Blockbuster. So there's the grandpa, right. Blockbuster. Right. But in order for a transformation to take place, it's got to be a convergence of three things. You've got to have the culture's got to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. The technology needs to be ready for it. And the laws and the legislation and all of those kinds of things need to be ready for it as well. Okay. Right. So um, technology's probably been ready for this for the most part for, for a decade or so. I mean, as soon as you introduce high-speed internet and um, unlike, the rest of the world, the U.S. really lags behind in high-speed internet. I mean, you go to most other Which countries, crazy. semi-developed yeah. even, and you're going to get much better internet than you are here in the U.S., especially when you live in rural. I'm lucky. I don't know how I ended up with gig fiber for as cheap as I get it right. here. It's just crazy to think of the town that I live in, that that's what I have. But, but I yeah. do. Also shows that it's a company that bought out Comcast in this area. Comcast wouldn't have done it, I don't think. So they yeah. bought out Comcast and you've got a small town company benefiting a bunch of small towns. Anyway, that's probably a whole other conversation. So yeah. we're going to answer the question about technology and when a little later in the show, because you've got a question about that. Mm -hmm. um, laws and legislation wise, there's still a ways to go. Um, so I can talk about a few of those things later on. But the cultural thing is what I think you were talking about. So pandemic hits and everybody has to stay home. You can't. Yep do anything. You've got to stay home. But then as that first six months or so of the pandemic, as we realized it was going to be longer term and we were able to open up some things, companies realized that I've got to do something about this if I want to stay in business. I can't mm -hmm. just tie my business to commercial real estate anymore. And so they started to open this up and you had this, I won't call it a mass exodus, but you had a huge exodus of people from the Bay Area or some of these other yep. high rent, high property value places. And that all of a sudden said, hey, I can go live out in the country somewhere, which is much more my lifestyle, but I can continue to do my high tech job that pays me very, very yep. well. Right. Yep. And, and so, that they love doing. Correct, they love doing correct. it, not just for the pay. If Absolutely. you love doing your job, you can keep yep. doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I used to think about, um, so when I look at potential church missions, like if Karen and I wanted to serve a mission right now, they've got mm -hmm. missions for senior couples. I know I'm not that old, although we're getting up to one of those big <laughs> milestone birthdays. But um, when I look at that, when I look at how much a mission would cost me here in the States or like Hong Kong, which is one of the mm -hmm. most expensive or London, and then I look at something like South America and I look right. at just the sheer cost differential, right? And so mm -hmm. if I were going to go to somewhere in South America, but I still make my San Francisco Bay Area salary, or even if they adjusted my salary down, which a lot of companies right. started to do, they had salary right. tiers based on where you live. But even if they adjusted it down, 
I'm still going to live right. pretty darn well, right? So I think people started to see that. And then I think that other thing that you talked about where people are um, not wanting to own things, I don't yeah. want to buy something. I don't need to... Uh, I don't need to own my video game. I don't need to own my music. I'll just stream it because it'll be there just stream it. forever. Yes. And there are some potential downsides for some of that kind of stuff, which we can talk about. But I think that happened. And then the last thing that I think happened is that, and this started before the pandemic, but um, with inflation the way it's been running and the cost of the housing market, all of those things have combined that this younger generation, like you and I already own homes. So we yes. know what that's like. Once you own a home, it's easier to get the second home. Yes. Right? Because you're going to build up equity, hopefully, in your first home. And then you can turn that into a second home. But if I look at, you know, Dustin at one point said, I'm never going to be able to afford a home. Yeah. Right? And the it's salaries getting worse. haven't changed that much. You yeah. Know, the, the property values went up, but not the salaries. Yeah. And so just that sheer cost of the American dream, I think people have started to look at that and gone, oh, that's not even yeah. a dream for me. I'll never be able to make that a reality. <laughs> right. And so even if, whether that's true or not is the debate, right? But when you have that kind of a shift and you say, I can't have the dream that my parents had, right? Then you right. start saying, okay, well, what else is there? And so that's where I think a lot of people started to look and say, oh, well, now that I think about it, maybe I don't want that dream that my parents had. Maybe yeah. I want a different thing. And so that's the cultural aspect of all of this, where I think there's this cultural shift happening um, where people are finally starting to say, I don't want what my parents wanted. Yeah. And that's not necessarily wrong. Right? Sorry, that was a really mm -hmm. long philosophical no, no, no. That, and that's what I wanted to get into. And, and, you know, part of my disclaimer, too, from, from the start was I didn't want to sound like two old men ranting. Because it's okay to not want the things that we want, right? Hmm? Not wanting that, that quote-unquote, American dream that, that we've been chasing. You know, their American dream is a little bit different than ours. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're not saying that there's anything wrong with not one of the things that we wanted or our parents wanted or, you know, things that our great, great grandparents worked for to, uh, to build our family. Um, and this is part of my rant from later. It's just, we have yet to adjust to yes. this younger generation, not wanting to build on that family. And maybe they'll be able to do it a different way. We just hadn't seen it yet. So uh, again, that's, that's my yeah. spoiler for, uh, for the post for show. But uh, well, yeah, the, yeah. The I, cultural I think that shift is, is not point. done, right? I mean, think right. about yeah, how long shifting. it. Think about how long it took Blockbuster to go out of business, right? Yeah. And for people to make the shift from, I go down to the store, I rent a VHS or a Beta back right. in the day, just to make <laughs> make us feel even older. But I go down and rent something. But there was this very, very long transition. I mean, Netflix only shuttered its digital DVD delivery service like last right. year. Yeah, yeah, it was maybe the early year last year. Yeah. So this cultural shift, and it may require the younger generations that want this different lifestyle to get into 
positions of power, meaning political office or running businesses or, you know, all of those kinds of things in order to complete this transition, because you are going to yeah. have people. And, I, you know, I take a little bit of exception. I know why you're saying it. You don't want us to sound like old fogies, but I don't think either of us think that way. And we're going to talk about this in question number two, right? Yeah. But I think it may take some more of that transition of that generation getting into a position where they can influence the broader culture, the broader legislation. Again, the technology, not so much because I think it's ready for this transition, right. but there's part of the culture that's ready for it, part of it that's not. There's not a whole lot of legislation and infrastructure and all of that kind of stuff that's ready for this. And yeah. in order to complete that cultural transition, it may just require this quote unquote younger generation getting into a position where they can influence it. Right, right. So let's let's move on then to, to question number two. And that's could you see yourself as a digital nomad and how would you apply these things to your life, right? Your your current lifestyle. So I'll I'll start off on this one, uh, uh just like the last one, but Greg, you know I like to cruise. Right. I was just going to say, you better talk about cruising <laughs> when you go into this. So uh, my wife and I, we love the cruise. Um, uh, and even the, the even the kids, they love the cruise, too. And man, people always. Well, I don't want to get into that, but people always ask, you know, how do y'all go on so many cruises? Uh, uh, you know, your your credit cards must be maxed out and things like that. And I'm like, you know, we, we worked that into our life. So I say that to bring this up. You know, Pop Life was started for because of our love of cruising, right? And I'll explain. I, I worked full time with with Halliburton. Uh, my wife, she was a stay at home mom, but the salary was, you know, good enough for us to 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 be able to live and support ourselves. But it didn't really, at the time, leave us, you know, much income for cruising and stuff like you that. We can pay for cruises. our feathers. Very right, often. right. We, we can pay for our family vacation once a year or something like that, or, you know, a quick little trip down to San Antonio or something, but say, okay, well, what can we do to not stress ourselves, our bills and our, our income from, from, you know, my nine to five. Um, so we started the popcorn company and that gave us a little extra income and things like that. And remember it was just extreme part-time. It was just, we'll book a cruise, we'll pay it off. We'll have extra money for the ship and stuff like that. And, Every time we would have a market or something, people would be like, this is the best popcorn I've ever tasted. Uh, we know we love this. Where can we find more? Where can we find more? And we said, okay, well, maybe we have something with this. And then 2020 happened and I was laid off and forced to invest in myself, you know, and invest in us. And again, that's a different conversation. But the the point is, I, we structured our lives around being able to have the ability to cruise when we want, right? I didn't want to have to submit for vacation time. I wanted to be able to say, this cruise is cheap. This cruise is during our birthday month, which is September. You know, it covers my sons, both of my sons, my dad and my birthday all in one, all in September. So we always take a trip in September. It can cover all of that and it doesn't break the bank, right? We'll have a separate source of income to support our cruising habit. So. Now, that's digital nomadism is not really the same thing, but I can see myself if I was physically able or if the company would, would be able to 
if I was, if I had the means to be able to work from a cruise ship, I would <laughs> yeah. Let me put it like that because we structured our lives, the company, we built the company to allow us to be able to have our, our, our cruising time and stuff like that. So I can see someone wanting to say, Hey, I want to live in Bali. I want to live in, in, uh, you know, in London, still be able to work my job and still be able to be, you know, be yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, live the life that I want to live. So you're talking about, and we'll get into this more later, but you're talking about a shift from, I choose a job and a career mm -hmm. so that I can have a life to right. I'm choosing a job or a career that enables the lifestyle that I want. So it's a lifestyle yes. career. And that's a whole yes. philosophical conversation. Right, I'll get right. into a little bit and I'll definitely, we'll probably talk about it a little more in the, in the post show, but you may not be a digital nomad because you're not working for a corporation. You're not right. able to work from wherever, whenever you want, which is kind of the whole thing about digital nomads. But even more important, mm -hmm. your choice is more important, I think, than choosing to be a digital nomad, which is I know the life that I want. Right. I'm going to choose a path that allows me to do that. And that is not your parents' goal. That no. is not what your parents no. did, your grandparents. Um, that is definitely not what anybody in my family has ever done. Right. It's always, I choose the job and then I figure out what I can do. Yes. Based on the job, how much money I make. Okay, well, I've got a goal to make more money so that I can do more things. Instead of flipping this around and saying, like you have done, which is, I want to cruise twice a year. Yep. And I want to pay my bills. Right? <laughs> right. I, I want to cruise right. at least twice a year and I want to pay my bills. So what do I have to do? And I got thinking, you know, the question really for you is the, the day your daughter graduates from high school, right? Right. Are you and when are you going to spend a whole year on a cruise ship? Right. right. And we could. And <laughs> we could. So and you're right. So it's not necessarily digital nomadism, but the choice is the same. And I and I that's what I'm saying. I can see how I uh, I can apply those things to my life because technically I made the same choice. I made the choice of shifting from find a job and then, you know, like you said, do what I can do within my means of that job. I shifted from that to saying this is the life that I want to live. Let me build my career and my environment and stuff around that. So, right. uh, you know, I'm the boss. Like you asked me earlier, aren't you the boss? I still don't take as many vacation days as I want or, or off days or, or time. days off period. <laughs> but let's get into that, though. So you, you said that, you know, it, it is more of, a, of you know, a, a shift in, you know, your your whole thinking and stuff like that. So what do you think? How could you apply this to your life or and things like that? Yeah, and just make sure you cut me off because I have spent my entire Jason knows how driven I am. So right. Jason has seen me in a corporate environment and I can get things done. I can hang with the best of them. Right. right. I can I can do all the traveling, I can go overseas, I can evaluate vendors, I can sit down in an executive room and do presentations and all that kind of stuff. Right. But let me, let me stop you before I often say, you know, like when we talk about like your clients and stuff like that, like, Oh, they thought they were getting a regular contractor, a regular client, not Greg bought 2000. 
Greg is the data. He's an Android of, of, you know what I mean? Consulting and stuff like that, but go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to, hopefully I throw you off your point. No, no, no. And that sounds kind of like bragging, but I spent a whole career yeah. right, doing that. And I had an amazing mentor when I first started that had been an executive with IBM and just so happened to be working at the bank and brought me on and saw something. I don't know who in their right mind gave me the kind of responsibilities <laughs> that she gave me. So I spent 20 plus years chasing that dream and we've owned, you know, houses in every city we've lived in basically. Mm -hmm. And that's the American dream and all that kind of stuff. And then um, this last time I got laid off, it just made me stop and go, I don't want that anymore. Yep. I just don't. It isn't that I don't want the American dream, but what I decided I didn't want is to chase the money or chase mm -hmm. the life. I wanted to live the life and let whatever I was doing support the life that I wanted to live. And so right, wrong, or whatever, I have spent since September of 2022 doing my own thing. Right? right. So I've got my consulting business, did the Leaders Lift podcast for a while, didn't quite do what I wanted it to do. We're doing this podcast. I'm paying my bills. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. do I have as much money as I had when I was working for a Silicon Valley tech company? Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> um, right. Do I have all the stressors that I had then? No. Do I have a whole other set of stressors? Yes. Right. right. But uncertainty and things that, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to live a different style of life. Now last year it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway with both my parents passing away. I was talking to someone yesterday and I'm like, I don't know how I got anything done last year, to be honest. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just was just one thing after another after another. But right. what that's led me to is I'm transitioning. I've made the decision to transition and Jason's sitting there in his head going, it's about time. Right. Right. So right. we are in the process of transitioning to a lifestyle career. So I couldn't keep doing things exactly the way I've done them for the last year, not over the longer term. There's a difference between being able to pay your bills versus being able to pay your bills and still start funding retirement, right? And yeah. thinking about some of those kind of longer term things. In fact, I had somebody ask me yesterday with this transition I want to make, have you thought about how many years you're actually going to be able to do this new thing? Because it's more physical and more yeah. hands-on. It's not just sitting at a computer, which I could probably do until, who knows, until my brain doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, so I want to make this transition. And um, I've been able to think about that and been able to start thinking about that. And so I'm not going to be a digital nomad, but the next step in my career is going to enable the lifestyle that my wife and I have decided we want to have. Right. It'll enable a lifestyle that will allow us to support the kids. It does not involve where's the next home I'm going to purchase. Yep. Right. Chasing it does that, not yep, involve the next city and that next yeah, high paying position. The, yep. Exactly. Yeah. None of that stuff is even, even part of this. So do I have all the answers right now? No, absolutely not. Um, but that's why it's a journey. In fact, I was, yep. couldn't fall asleep last night and I had to send myself a note that says, stop trying to think 15 steps ahead. Right. Just think about the next one or two steps. You know what your end destination, your end goal is. 
but yes. don't try and fill in all the steps in between right now. Just fill in the next couple of steps. So right. digital nomad? No, because I don't know that I want to work for you know a tech company or somebody else that's going to let me work from anywhere in the world. Um, lifestyle career? Absolutely. That's my next yep. step. Yep. Yep. So I know I mentioned this before, but when um, you and um, my direct manager would would um, be tasked with going through the interview process, right? You, you used to have like a, a, a panel or or we would team up to do something. And one of the questions we would always ask, and there's no wrong answers to this question, right? It's, it's just to see this person's mindset was was life about the journey or the destination? Remember that, mm -hmm. remember that question. And, you know, a lot of people gave a lot of different answers and I would always answer that question for me. Um, it's always about the journey, right? Because you have that destination in sight, but throughout the journey, sometimes that destination changes, yeah. right? You know, it may, you may start off saying, I want to get to that point. I want to get to point B or point Z. And as you're going through, all of the different steps, you say, well, maybe I don't want to be a Z anymore. Maybe I want to be at Y. So it's about enjoying that, that journey to get to the destination stop. Um, and again, I, this is just my perspective. I'm not saying you should be the same way, but you know, so many people work their lives away, you know, trying to get to a certain destination and, and not enjoying the journey. So we yeah. definitely need to make time to enjoy that. So, well, and I wasn't like that. I was right. at one point I wanted to be a CEO, right? I thought right. I'm going to run the bank, you know, back when I was there. And I think there was even some of that when I was at Stewart, right? Which is how right. do I get up into those? Cause I was working with those executives and I got along great with them. And yeah. if my kids listen to this episode, the thing that I want them to get out of this is that dream, mm -hmm. dream big, don't be afraid to change your dreams. Right. But most importantly, live life, right? That make it be about the journey. Yes, the destination is fine. The destination, like you said, can change. Dreams change. But the right. journey you're going through right now is what it is. Right. Right. And right. you need to take advantage of that. And, you know, like um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting out, sitting at dinner, and um, everybody's super, super sick because I live in a Petri dish. And my <laughs> right. granddaughter, we're sitting at the dinner table, and she's like, Mom, why can't you go with me to bake bread tomorrow? They were doing a bed breaking, uh, bread baking experiment in her preschool. And my daughter's like, I'm sick, honey. I can't go. I can't go and get the other kids sick. And, right. and she's like, okay, mom. And you could just see the down, right? How, right? how that was. And so, you know, I get up the next morning and they go off to school. And about an hour before the bread baking thing was, I just realized, what am I doing? Yeah. I don't have anything on my plate for my client for the next two or three hours. It wasn't podcast day. Actually, I think it might've been podcast day, but you were gone. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so I'm like, so I'm texting my wife and saying, what time is it at? Yeah. And I'm going to go bake bread. Yeah. I just show up and she's like, Papa. And she does her so excited. Right. And we made bread and she was thrilled and all that kind of stuff. 
that is such a difference between when my youngest daughter was born, two days into my week of paternity leave, because that's all we got back then. Yeah. Two weeks or two days in, my wife's like, you just might as well go back to work. Because I was getting so many phone calls and working on so many things from home that she's like, just yeah. go back to work. Right. And that's just not good. So that's who I was. That is not who I want to be now. I won't say that I'm perfect at all of this. Yeah. Right? But that, I think, is the difference between the old school dream, which is I got to do whatever it takes to keep the job happy. Right. Yeah. Versus the new school thing is I got to do whatever it takes to focus on the things that are most important. So again, if my right. kids are listening, one, I'm sorry that I wasn't nearly as attentive as a parent as I probably should have been when you were growing up. But two, as because they're all still planning their lives and their careers, right? None of them are right. to that point of no return or to that point where it's very difficult to course correct. Yes, think about your destination. Don't be afraid to change the destination. Right. But hey. journey. Go through yeah. the journey. Yeah. So much stuff that so many things to, to include on that, man. You're absolutely right. And and don't feel like you're a failure if you don't if you have to change that that destination, right? Don't right. feel disappointed in yourself. But you know, we're tech grandpas, right? We can go in on this. Like I'm thinking about your, your granddaughter. She's gonna remember that for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? She's she's gonna be an old lady on on you know on a sick bed one day and she's gonna remember her grandpa coming yeah. to bake bread with her. And and that's the thing in life that we love. That's what we work for. And you know, we think about again that quote unquote American dream that we've been chasing all these years. The man, uh, the the father, the 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 grandpa, we were always the ones that have to work to provide this lifestyle for the family. Right. And and yeah. the mom and the children get to enjoy the lifestyle and the grandchildren get to enjoy the lifestyle that we built. But we were always at work. Yeah. You know, I think yep. about my, uh, you know, let's move on because we can. <laughs> we let can me, make let this me just show drop. We can. An hour and a half. I just want to share one more thing. One of the yeah. full time RV families that I follow, you're going to mm -hmm. love the title of their channel because I think this bleeds into this. And then we definitely should get into the tech. But. I think it goes right back to what you were talking about and what we're going to hit on in the post show. The name of their channel is Less Junk, More Journey. Wow. They sold everything. They have been full-time RVing for five or seven years now. And they had one kid when they started. They now have two. Right. And she was a travel nurse. So that's kind of what got them into it. Um, okay. Also a thing, didn't realize how big of a deal it was for medical professionals to sign a contract somewhere for three months and then right. move on to the next contract somewhere else. Again, yeah, until COVID, I didn't know there was, right? a, yeah, and I didn't know there were traveling nurses until COVID. Good yeah. money, but get to experience somewhere for three months and then move on. So right. but that's their philosophy, right? Is we don't need to own junk. They still have a home base, um, which I think is part of this cultural legislative shift that still needs to happen. They still mm -hmm. have a home base that they can go back to, but less junk, more journey. And I think if all of us focused a little more on the journey and just enjoying a journey, because there's a ton of crap in life, but man, there is plenty of really good moments right. in your journey if you'll take advantage of them. So, yeah. All yeah. right. We better get on, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. So this is a tech show, right, Greg? 
Uh, so, well, yeah, sort of, kind of. <laughs> so they, it's, it's a tech show. Let's bring it back to tech. So my last question is, what is some of the technology that drives being able to do this? Because like you said, the, the infrastructure has been there for maybe the last 10 years or so, but that hasn't always been the case. Right. We talked about VR and how VR has been around from the 60s. Right. VR and AR It's just that the technology that's available to us now has allowed things like the Vision Pro and and the uh, X-Real glasses and things like that as technology gets. Uh, chips get faster and faster and things get smaller and smaller. Right. The same with with being a digital nomad, the technology hasn't always been there. Right. We, we remember back in the 80s and 90s right they had the big cell phone or whatever and yeah. you know you were the ceo of the company you can afford the technology that allow you to be able to work remotely but what was that that was a, a car phone right you had the little bag and i have my dad's car phone by the way it's nice. a little bag that you carry with the with the phone and you pull it out and it had the big antenna that you had to turn and expand up like that that was mobile technology at its finest back in the 80s and you know things got smaller and smaller faster and faster so let's just talk about some of the technology that's driving this that's allowing this and let's be honest i'll I'll start this thing off the backbone for any mobile workforce is high speed and stable internet connections right because there's keyword there right stable being a keyword because you know, there's YouTubers that have turned out a YouTube video on a cruise ship, right? There's there's uh, people who can work if you're just updating spreadsheets or something like that. But I don't believe the technology on a cruise ship would allow you to do some really intense uh, uh, photo and video editing and things like that, where you're having to upload terabytes of data and stuff like that. The, the, the technology is just not there. So we're talking... Or if- all your tools are in the cloud, right? I mean, right. that's probably one of the big parts about this internet stuff is, am I working on the internet or am I just using right. the internet to transmit right. data? Because right. there is a big difference. I mean, think about Thanksgiving, how hard it was for me to publish our show that week. Right. And I had decent cell phone and hotspot signal, but it took hours upon hours upon hours for our show to upload. Yeah. You had to go on a, on a little journey, on a little trek just to, uh, while everything was, was updating. Yeah. So you're right. And that, that brings me to the, the, the next thing was the cloud services, right? Uh, um, uh, software as a service, even entire infrastructures as a, as a service, right? So it depends on how much of the heavy lifting is being done on locally on your personal machine, whether that be a tablet, computer, things like that software that you have to install um start let's get into that too um being able to work online right these cloud services and uh, and online services right software as a service infrastructure as a as a service uh things like that um it all depends on how much heavy lifting the, the your equipment is doing your local equipment your 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 laptop if you're having to install you know huge uh um software that has to connect back to the company and and you know it's transmitting data and uh um you know huge huge uh data files and things like that um the high speed connection one it will allow that but also being able to offload some of that heavy lifting from the computer to the cloud to the website to the uh 
the things like that. And all you're doing is accessing that data from, yeah, from an internet browser or or a lightly built you know app or something that's really a web based app. It's just you know uh, running on your machine. At, that was my life at Stewart at the end, right? I mean, I had yeah. that giant iPad Pro and I had a virtual Windows environment that sat yeah. in the server room that was heavier lifting than I would ever need for anything. Yeah. But I always needed an internet connection, stable and solid, if I needed to get into that environment. So I was, if I was out camping or whatever, I'm limited to what I can do on my local machine without an internet connection. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that that technology has definitely advanced because there was back in the day, you couldn't, there weren't unlimited data plans, right? You had a set amount of data. And so you were doing all your work and then you were turning on the data connection and waiting for an hour for the three megabytes of stuff to upload, but that was half (laughs) your data. So then you were turning it back off immediately in order to not use up any more of your data because it was ridiculously expensive if you went over those caps and stuff. And so stable, high-speed internet, these cloud services, but then we can't um, discount unlimited data, right? Unlimited bits and that being cost-effective enough for the quote-unquote general population to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. So security is another thing that'll allow uh, that that's allowing this, right? And we're talking beyond VPNs, right? A VPN is a virtual private network. It basically takes your current internet connection and puts it somewhere else, right? So let's say uh, your company was in San Francisco. I'm here in Houston. I fire up a VPN. It treats my internet connection as if it was in the building in San Francisco or headquarters or wherever that may be. So, but beyond all that, they have tools like single sign-on secure pass keys um, that you install on the device, multi-factor authentication, which is something we talked about before that annoys the heck out of people, but it helps companies companies be more secure. It helps them prove that you are the person that you are, right? I know you're working in Europe right now, but all of a sudden you're trying to log in from Russia. Um, right. That's not you. We know that's, that's not, not you. me. Please block that, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So all these things, and it helps, it helps appease these the company's uh, security guidelines or requirements and things like that. Because you know, some of these higher level positions they deal with some really secure and, and really valuable data to these companies, right? You think yeah. about a Google uh, a executive that's you know not at the headquarters that's that's working from Atlanta or something like that. He still deals with a lot of sensitive information and being able to transmit that information back and forth. Some of these security uh, uh, options, it, it, it helps facilitate being able to work remotely, right? Yeah. Otherwise, nothing to be secure if you're trans- transmitting it over the Internet that, uh, you know, and Google may not have been the best example of that. But, you know, uh, a security company, uh, government agencies and things like that, where they have everything locked down to the point where you can't even hook a different monitor to your, to your tower, right? It needs to be your monitor or it's not going to work at all. So, yeah. And this isn't just about digital nomads, but this is also about business in general. I mean, Google, Apple, Microsoft, none of these companies would be able to have offices worldwide and have um, staff worldwide, let alone digital nomads without yeah. these 
technologies because you can't physically drop a line from, you know, from Seattle to, uh, you know, London that's dedicated to Microsoft. They right. can't actually put that piece of hardware in place. And so it's got to go through the broader infrastructure. So, you know, that's where it started, right? Was we built up this infrastructure and the internet and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden people are realizing, oh, it's not just business application. Now it has personal application. And mm -hmm. that's this cultural shift that I think is happening. This, this generation that has grown up with all of this technology is going, why are you putting limits on me? Why are you yeah. trying to chain me down? <laughs> I see what all of this stuff can do. I know what it is. Don't hold me back. Stop thinking in your little box and realize just what this technology could do. Because, I mean, you've done security work. You've done this. You've done networking and all that kind of stuff. The mm -hmm. old school was, well, that facilitates our intra-office communication only. And there's one connection out to the outside world and that's it. But the younger generation, even younger generation of security professionals is going, it doesn't have to be that. So some of the other technology too that's driving this, of course, is battery life, right? And some of these devices, you know, we see Apple and, and Google and LG and, and um, some of the other companies, they always stand on the stage and they always say all day battery life or workday battery life or something like that. And if these devices can't get us away from these charges, right? Because we talked about being tethered to a desk or tethered to a monitor or something like that. Also too, if you're tethered to a charger, that's, that's keeping you wired to the wall. You're connected to the wall. So the battery life, which I'm always ranting about, has not kept up with technology. It's at least improved enough where companies like Apple who design their hardware and software that works so efficiently together that it improves battery life on its own. Um, it has improved some. And it's allowed us to break away from that tether that's the charger, right? So laptops, tablets, phones have gotten to the point where they can at least get us through an eight-hour workday without having to charge. Or you've got things like solar batteries, or you've got portable yes. batteries, and all of that kind of portable stuff has power. come along yes, so yes. far. And, um, you know, it isn't just – part of the problem is our devices do so much more right now, right? Yes. I mean, if if I took my – first flip phone that I owned, right? And it had my iPhone 15 Pro Max battery. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to charge that thing ever. Ever, yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, year, so once there is some of that. <laughs> there, is, there is part of that. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is about, can I do what I want to do, right? Can I do the work that I want to do in the way I want to do it with the tools I want to use that used mm -hmm. to just be, do I want a Mac or do I want a PC? But it's not right. that anymore. It's way broader than that. And can I do it where I want? Right. Can I do it from on top of a mountain because I want to go on this amazing bike ride that starts at 6 a.m., but I know I have a conference call at 9 a.m. So can I take that conference call from wherever I'm at on the trail Yes. At 9 a.m. And not worry about any of these things you've talked about. Internet connection, battery life. Do I have the tools at my disposal? That's this confluence of technology. Right. Yes. That's all coming together. And I think we have plenty of it. I don't think we're done innovating. The Vision Pro is a good example of that. But 
I don't think we're done with this, but there is plenty of that technology that you can almost work using whatever tools you want. You can almost do most any job, I want to say, right. that requires technology. Yeah. Yeah. So the devices, of course, we you just spoke about, and I put in here, yes, AI too, and that's going to help. I don't want to get too much into that because you know how I feel about it. Um, I, I think it's just kind of the the green or the, the uh, what do they call it? You know, just those catchphrases now. So it's not really a clear definition for, for most folks of what AI is, but what's truly AI, it is going to drive a lot of this uh, um, uh, being able to be able to access the information you need where and when you need it and uh, be able to, you know, be a digital nomad. But I wanted to jump into this with the last few minutes we have on this, on the main show is the vision pro. So this was a holdover for last week, right? I mentioned that um, this is almost a perfect device for a digital nomad, right? Yeah. And not in its current state, not the device now that we're seeing news report after news report of returns, right? Yeah. Right. The concept of, and again, I keep going back to my whole decentralized computing idea, but imagine being able to com complete a full workday however long that is, six to eight hours, and you don't need to have a monitor. You don't need to have a keyboard. You don't need to have all of this stuff. You just throw on your glasses. You put your little phone-like device in your pocket. You have your watch as an interface. You have your digital interface where you're typing on a blank surface or pinching and dragging and moving things like that. So imagine being able to, to complete a whole workday on something like a Vision Pro. This is a digital nomad's dream. You know what I mean? And again, yeah. not this device that we're seeing the return gate of these returns for. And we'll talk about that more next week. But this the concept of this device, this augmented reality device, headset, goggles, whatever you want to call it, that's that's gonna be yeah. a huge tool for digital nomads. I, I can see that really taking off. I, I could argue. I mean, is it ideal right now? No. Is it yeah. too heavy? Probably. Am I still going to yes. need a keyboard and possibly a trackpad? Yes, if I want to do real work. Is it helpful right. to have a Mac? Yes. All of those things still still run true. So those are limitations. Yes. But if I think about, let's say I was going to spend the whole summer traveling the country in my trailer, but I needed yep. to work 40 hours a week for clients. And I needed to be on calls and do presentations and I needed to be able to multitask and I needed to be able to let my wife drive while I'm working on right. things, right? I mean, imagine sitting, instead of sitting in the front of my truck with this 14 inch laptop screen, which is amazing by the way, and trying to work on two spreadsheets and a presentation all at the same time, just put on my glasses, right? right. And zone out tune out everything and go to work. That's amazing. So the concept I think is there too. I do think it's a digital nomads dream has some work to go and it can't be right. $3,500 because exactly. one of the other things, and I know we're running out of time here, but one of the other things that was pointed out in the article is that odds are these digital nomads are not getting rich. Right. No. And they're, they're so, they're not the, I'm now a, uh, I'm on path to a CEO with CEO money 
right? right. With, with more money than grass kind of thing, you know, or yeah. sand if you're in the desert. Um, they're probably not. They're, the comment was made that most of these digital nomads are probably just getting by. Right. They're working and just like us. They are. And <laughs> the flip side of that was, but so is everybody else, right? And so $3,500 right. and you still need Mac, iPad, iPhone, you know, right. whatever. Battery, else. extra battery, carrying yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All of that kind of stuff. So that that's still super, super difficult. But the concept is there. And I think longer term, we're, we're going to get to where that that facilitates more of this digital nomad lifestyle. So, all right. So let's continue our whole tech talk because this is a tech show. I know we got uh, a little bit off track, but I enjoyed that conversation, but let's get into the real reason why people are here. And that's the iPad. My favorite device the, of all time. Are we the, uh, let's see, what can we call ourselves? So we know we're tech grandpas. Are we the iPad grandpas? We are. I'm definitely an iPad grandpa. And not to go off topic here, but remember that whole conversation about, you know, buying my grandkids iPads and mostly just to stay in touch with them. Uh, I think the the little one, I think she's about ready for a mini. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I think uh, we're I, moving in that direction. My iPad broke. What are, what are your grandkids going to do? Who are they going to go to if their iPad breaks? Right. Right. They're going to come to their. Grandpa, so I know you've got one in your closet. Grandpas. <laughs> right. So, but it's also we're do the, tying oh, this go in, right? It's also if you think about digital nomads, yes, yes, also this a is, really good device for a digital nomad. It is, especially the iPad Pro, the the twelve point nine inch with a keyboard. Uh, it is a laptop replacement for some jobs. You know, I know. Yeah. You know, you look at YouTube and there's conversation after conversation and show after show. A video after video about this argument. Is it a true laptop replacement? No, not yet. Is it just not for your job, right? You're doing video editing and things like that. We, you know, we we talked at length about the limitations that I had with, with trying to record the show with the uh with my iPad. But for your job, if all you're doing is updating a couple of spreadsheets and a couple of Zoom meetings and you know, it 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 is a laptop replacement for some jobs. I how many IT professionals, though, too, haul a tablet around and right. just remote in right. to wherever right. they need to go? Most I'm, of think them. About, think about your, we know that I did it at Stewart. Think about what you did at Stewart. Think about mm -hmm. what you did at Halliburton with today's right. iPad Pro and a remote connection into the network. Is there anything right. you couldn't do on your iPad? Right. That was, that was, I could have done 98% of my job on on this ipad pro this m2 ipad pro that i have now so other than and i'm unplugging pretty sure... and replugging stuff in right that would be the two <laughs> <Right>. percent <laughs> yep that's the main thing lugging around that that big charger was the was the main thing so we're right here on the edge we're we're, we're right on the so premises of of a release of new ipad pros so and the rumors they change weekly so uh, i read an article a couple of days back and and uh just to do just a quick rumor roundup um, the price, like we mentioned, was overly exaggerated, which was a huge relief. So please yeah. don't disappoint us on that one. Now, there are there is a lot of new technology going into this thing. Right. And you and I, as, as tech guys, we're, we're spec geeks. We know that this new technology costs more than the technology that we've been getting in these devices. So we're prepared for 
a slight price increase, a couple of hundred bucks. I'm I'm ready for, but yeah, the price tag that they had at the entry level model was putting me already 40%. over forty percent. Yeah, right, right. It was it was putting me well out of my price range. So, um, uh, I'm excited about that. The next is the new camera position, right? And and this was a rumor that had been coming for the last couple of generations of iPad Pros, right? Um, was moving a camera from the top of the iPad in in, in uh, portrait mode to landscape mode. So put it in in the uh, 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 basically on the side of the screen when you hold it horizontally, uh, it'll be at the top. That new camera position is how ninety percent of the people. Uh, maybe it's not ninety percent, but it's high. You know, maybe in the high sixties or seventy percent of the people use their iPad on a keyboard in landscape mode, especially right. the big twelve point nine er. Right. Right. So moving that camera position will help with, because uh, I'm always covering, uh, when I'm holding it, I'm always covering the camera. So face ID, things like that. Um, video calls, FaceTime calls and stuff, that'll help with that. MagSafe charging was one of the rumors that I saw early on that kind of disappeared, but now it's back again. So being able to charge with the MagSafe thing, it'll um, kind of add a uh, what? How do I want to say this? Uh, uh, a quality of life improvement for the iPad, right? It's, it's just yeah. not that how lazy have we become as humans. I, I was just such a hassle plugging something into my device, but having a MagSafe charger is just, you know, I would use it on my, on most of the models of iPad Air that I had, and it's been great, right? Yeah. Just being able to... uh you know, now on my on my wife's MacBook Pro, having to plug that USB C charger in is just like, why is Apple going back and forth with MagSafe? You know, it's just just weird. But MagSafe charger on the iPad Air, and now having it on the iPad would be really good. I would have to buy a bunch of new chargers, of course, but that'll really be a MacBook huge Air. right. It's on not the on the current Air. iPad Air. Yeah, no, not on the is, iPad Air. On, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I confuse those. On my MacBook, I'm yeah. looking down here at the floor because my MacBook Air is sitting down and it has the the MagSafe charger on it. But including that on the iPad Pro would be yeah. a huge plus for me. Yeah, I mean this one. So I'd mentioned a couple of shows ago that I'm seriously considering the iPad Air instead of right. the Pro. Right. Of all the rumors about the Pro. This is the one that's going to make me go, oh, do I really want the Air? If the Pro gets MagSafe right. and the Air does not. Right, right. So, it's one of those things. And like I said, depending on the specs, we'll know when they stand on the stage and do that, that keynote. Because some of the rumors are, they're just that. Yeah. They're just rumors. We never know until Tim Cook well, comes out and says, And this one's complicated. This is complicated because it means the the back, at least part of the back glass, a back of the iPad would have to be glass because it couldn't be aluminum, right? right? So the question is, if the whole thing is glass, it's less durable, heavier, right? More fragile, or do they right? turn the Apple logo into glass so that MagSafe can charge through just that section, right? I mean, there, that was the video that you dropped in here, the Zone of Tech video that we'll link to in right. the show notes. That was one of the things it talked about because I don't think the iPad is that heavy, but I don't, I think if you put 13 vertical or 13 diagonal inches of glass on the back of that thing, I think you put that in a keyboard case, that kind of stuff. 
it starts to get really, really heavy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and it, again, more fragile, right? Yeah. And you add glass on onto something that, <clears throat> and I've only dropped this iPad maybe once or twice in the year I've had it, and it wasn't huge drops, right? It was I leaned it against something and it flopped over, or it took a tumble from the bed to my little rug by the by the bed or something like that. So no huge drops, but. Yeah, adding glass to that thing, even Gorilla Glass, it still gives it a vulnerable point to where yeah. we're just going to see a bunch of people going around with a cracked Apple logo on the back of their oh, iPad man. Pro. I can't so. handle my wife's screen protector on her iPhone mini. How in the world would I handle cracked glass on the back of a 13-inch right. iPad? <laughs> really? So, yeah, but like Rick said, Zonatech, it's, it's uh, the uh, article. We'll link it in the show notes. Uh, uh, check it out if you wanted to get up on the latest um, um, iPad rumors. So so that was the show for this week, folks. Um, that was all I had. Uh, it was fun talking about digital nomadism and, and things like that. But before we go, I wanted to share a weird coincidence that happened when I was outlining the show. So w- when I'm outlining, I'm usually playing something in the background right as I'm prepping. And uh, most of the time it's YouTube or, or uh, you know, Netflix or something like that. This time it happened to be uh, YouTube and a YouTuber came on who lives in his little truck. You know, he builds a camper on the back of his truck. He has all his little vehicles and stuff that he's towing and he's riding around the Arctic, right? And he makes these videos. But during the video, he was sitting on his little mini sofa in the back eating his gumbo that he had prepared. And uh, he was looking at a celebration of life picture of his friend that he had lost a few years before that uh, that died doing something that he loved. It wasn't a tragic death like, you know, uh, cancer or anything like that. He died um, doing one of his hobbies or whatever. And it's funny because I have in my head my whole view on digital nomadism and things like that. And I'm out loud in the show. But he really... Um, just started talking about um, time, right? And, you know, without getting too philosophical about this thing, time is really one of the most important things that we have in our lives, right? So I thought, well, maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective, right? And this is as I'm outlining the show. And, you know, he started talking about time and how, you know, most people, they spend most of their lives working to buy the things that they want in life or to live the lifestyle that they want, right? Maybe I should look at it from a point of view of you're you're living the lifestyle that you want and the life that you want, and you're taking a little time from that lifestyle to work and to buy the things. You know what I mean? They almost have it in reverse about yeah. uh, the way that we've, we've been uh, viewing things. So, you know, Instead of me, and and I'm not judgmental about it at all. We'll get into that here in the post show about uh, about my rant. I'll sound a little judgmental, but maybe they have the right idea. You know, instead of working our lives away to be able to go on cruises and go on the vacations or to be at the campsite and things that we want to live, why don't we live that way and use this technology and stuff available to us to be able to work that six to eight hours a day? To be able to achieve those those uh, to to maintain or support the lifestyle instead of doing it in reverse, right? You work 
360, you know, something days a year to vacation five days, you know? I think both sides have it wrong, personally. Okay. I think the people that say, well, I'm going to work for a couple of months, and then I'm going to take six months off, and then I'm going to go work for a couple of months yep, and take six months, some of that. Six yeah. months off. And, um, and even more extreme than that, I only want to work two hours a week, and then I just want to do whatever. <laughs> I don't think that's good. Uh, I heard the other day that um, something around idleness is a disease that can quickly become uncurable, something right. like that, right? So I think that's wrong, but I also wow, that think that is a really good quote. I like that. Yeah, I'll have to pull the actual one and send it to you. But I also think the other side of this, and I'm not faulting them because this is how it was. But if I think about older generations, that I just have to work. My yeah. my goal in life is to work, and I go to work and I come home, and I go to work and I come home, and if I have time for the family. But that was a lot of the pressure that was put on, especially uh, husbands and fathers and men in general, right? There was all of this pressure that that's what their goal yeah, in that's life is. That's what we're here to been. do, right? Yep. And so work at the expense of life or life at the expense of work. And I think exactly what we should be looking at, which is what I think the concept of a lifestyle career is, is a blend of the two is can I choose a career that allows me to live the kind of life that I want to live and still work, which we need as human mm -hmm. beings, we need to work, but also we have to make money. It's just no real way around that. Even some of these shows, cause I watch them of people that go completely off grid and homestead and all yes. that kind of stuff. They still end up having to pay taxes and, you know, do some of these other kinds of things. So that's the way we're built. So I do think it needs to be a blend of these. And so, I don't think you're looking at it wrong. I just think we need to shift. And what I hope for personally for me, which is why I hope my kids listen to this, is that I hope I'm not too late in making yeah. this transition, right? And trying to move into this more lifestyle career that I want to do next um, versus that dream of, yeah, I want to be CEO and have so much money that I can retire and spend time with my money. Don't. Yeah. That's not what I want anymore. So. Right. Right. Well, that was all I had. I wanted to share that little part. Greg, what do you have for us for next week? Well, next week, maybe it'll be a little more of a traditional episode. I really enjoyed this conversation today. Maybe too right. much. but um, It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Next week, I have two topics. I want to talk, uh, follow up on continuity. Remember, we talked about that was the secret sauce with the uh, Apple Vision Pro. And if I think mm -hmm. about Nomad Life, right, continuity, having all of your stuff work, play nice together is super important. So we're going to dive into that a little more detail. And it's finally time I paid the subscription to talk about my journaling stuff. Remember I was, okay. said I was going on this journey for right. journaling. And so we're going to talk about day one in journaling and how that's making a difference and actually is making a much bigger difference um, okay. than I thought it would. So the preview is that it's not just about the tool, but the tool is getting me to do more which is making a big difference in my life. So those are the two topics I have. We'll do one in the main show, probably one in the post show, some combination of the two. I don't know, but that's what we'll be talking right. about. All right, guys. So sorry for the long one this week. Like I said, it was a really good conversation, but um, Greg, you want to give us a good closing? I don't got one today. Uh, think about this. Spend some yeah. time thinking about where you're at right now, especially if you're, just coming out of college or whatever the case may be. My yeah. best advice to you, yeah. my best closing is to you, 
between this and next week's episode, give this some thought and, and don't be afraid to dream and don't be afraid to change your dreams. So, yep. I like it. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks, everyone. Well, thanks for sticking around, everybody. And like you said, like we always say, that the uh, post show is where we get to get extra geeky and really dive in. But today's topic wasn't very techy, right? We're talking about something that's, that's technology allows, but we were mostly talking about the mindset and the choice to be a digital nomad, even though the technology and stuff has been out there for, you know, maybe the past 10 years or so. But I wanted to start off the, the post show before uh, we really dig into this thing and and to talk about, you know, some of our past, right? Greg and I, we're sort of some work, re- remote work uh, OGs, just to, to, to use a term that the kids use. And uh, we knew about a lot of the etiquette and how to conduct ourselves while working remotely, right? When COVID hit, all of a sudden we had an entire workforce of people that were forced to work at home um, that weren't necessarily used to the things that, you know, that, that are required to work from home. So, I mean, we had people showing up for meetings in pajamas. We watched, we seen the YouTube and the, the Twitter videos and things like that. People showing up in pajamas, looking like train wrecks. We had kids attending school, laying in the bed, right? They didn't even bother to get out. You say, oh, I roll out of bed and, and went to school. They didn't even roll out of bed. They just reached over, grabbed their device, their tablet, set it on their chest, and they were still laying in the bed in their pajamas. People engaging in illegal activities while in court, yeah. right? I've seen, uh, you know, a guy rolling a joint and smoking marijuana in court, right? And they, the judge immediately sent an officer to go and pick him up. Um, we, uh, yeah, you don't get so to many do illegal remote, things. No remote for you. No remote yeah, for you. Yeah, we, we need you here in the courthouse. Yeah, yeah. So people just didn't know how to behave. So again, I say, Greg, uh, we're some work remote OGs, right? I remember laughing with, with Wendy several times whenever we would watch these videos and be like, Greg would have never allowed something like that. Or we would have never had this problem uh, back when we started. So Greg, you were one of the ones that really pushed for a work from home program back before we had it uh, at Stewart. And uh, um, do you want to talk us through that process to, um, uh, creating a structure and, and you work with us, you work with uh, uh, other people on the team and, and uh, other departments and stuff. But we put together these rules and these guidelines that ultimately help you sell it to the execs, right? To yeah. kind of put them at ease. You want to talk through some of that uh, experience you had putting together this program. And this was pre pandemic. Like well, I say, we, we've been at this. pandemic. Yeah, yeah, way, way pre-pandemic. So we were already working remotely and we knew how to do it. We had things like we had to get up, get dressed, right? It wasn't just because you weren't driving in the office, you didn't have to get ready. Yeah. We had to get, we had to be dressed. We had to, you know, be presentable, of course. We had to be able to um, be prepared for, for meetings and things like that when we were on LinkedIn or Messenger or whatever it was called at the time. So talk us through some of that, 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 uh, you put together for us. And again, that sold it to the execs and we were able to work remotely. Now, me and you, we still had to be in the office for whatever reason, most of the week, you know, that's how we spend more time together than anyone else on the team. But, um, talk us through some of that. Yeah. So it actually started when I was at the bank, 
um, we had uh, Visa had a Visa signature card, mm-hmm. you know, black card, whatever you want to call it, offering, right? But in order to sell that card, we had to have 24 by 7 support. Right. And so as we got ready to launch that, it was like, how are we going to do that? I mean, I was in Houston at the time. So we had call centers in Houston, Salt Lake, and a very, very small town in Southern Utah. Mm-hmm. And so the two time zones, Houston and so it was just those two time zones having to yeah. support people in um, London time. I forget the name of that that time zone, but yeah, right, anytime. But, yeah. Right. I mean, anytime we zone, had yeah. to have 24 by seven support period, end of story. And um, so the question was, OK, how are we going to do this? We didn't want to. I mean, our offices were in downtown Houston. You really don't want to staff 24 by seven in downtown yeah. Houston. Do you want to do it out in Salt Lake even? No. So the question became, okay, how do we do this? And so we went through this whole thing and this is banking information, right? This is not, I'm just doing IT support and don't have access to any com- any real confidential systems. We have access to banking systems. Right. And today it's commonplace, but back then it absolutely was, was yeah, not. Really so sensitive we, information. Yeah. We went through this process of, how do we pick who can do this? And of course it was our best. And back in that day, you ranked all your call center agents one through 350, you know? So, you know, it was going to be, you had to have a certain ranking and had to be trained and all that kind of stuff. But we went Mm -hmm. through this process of um, things like you have to be able to turn on your webcam at a moment's notice. You can't have any paper on your desk at all, period. End of story. So if I say, turn on your webcam now, you had to be able to flip that thing on. And if you had any paper, even if it was a scrap piece of paper or your daily planner or a book or whatever the case may be, right? So we right. had to put those kinds of rules and guidelines in place to protect data. Now, of course, we had to put all the computer systems in place. How do you connect people up? And back at that point, we provided all of the computer equipment, right? right? The phone, the everything. Um had to be secured, connected in. We had to put guidelines around internet connections. And this was the whole debate between DSL versus cable internet. DSL could be fast, but depending on where you were, it might be too far away from the hub and then it wasn't stable. And right. so there were all of these kinds of things. And so by the time I got to that point at Stewart, where we were doing IT support, which is a whole other ball game, mm-hmm. I had already been through this rodeo in a much more strict environment. And there was probably five to seven years between those and technology moved a long way. I mean, one of the biggest things was iPhone happened in between those two things. Right. So. And voice over IP systems too, really, really picked Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. So that was, I had the experience, right. I was able to take that in and say, okay, I've done this before at a bank. It was way more strict way more, way harder to do. And it was successful. So here are the bits and pieces that we needed to have here. And we did, we had all of those things, right? You had to be able to do video and you had to be able to be online and we could track the difference with the call center is as soon as you signed in the phone, we knew exactly what you were doing. Right. Right. I mean, that was kind of the way it went, but um, we had to define which jobs Jason's joking around about. He couldn't because he had to manage the phone inventory. Right. Right. I mean, he had to physically be there to wipe devices and issue new devices and handle the, it was almost, you know, sort of genius bar like because it wouldn't be uncommon for an exec to wander down to our floor 
and hand Jason yeah. a phone and say, fix, I'll be back in an hour kind of thing. Right. So it was literally um, like a bar. My desk was almost like a bar. It had like yeah. a countertop around and it kind of had like a corner, like a curve. And it was a bar and people would come up to the bar and, and bring their broken devices and set them right there. So, yeah. Yeah. So we worked through all that kind of stuff and, and that's not the focus today. Right. I mean, there's, there were no best practices back then. That was the struggle, no. right? Today you could right. go pull. I mean, you could go to your, um, security provider, whatever, whoever provides your security software, you could go to your MDM provider. Um, you could go to Verizon or AT&T or any of these other companies today and say, Hey, we need somebody to help us with best practices on allowing work from home. And mm -hmm. there was none of that. And some of that happened the same thing when the pandemic hit and, you know, March, they closed everything down. Right. It was, Oh my gosh. Right. What are we doing tomorrow? And so they had to do a little bit of that, but yeah, we had the best practices in place. And so I just, I don't have a problem with this. So my personal philosophy, you know, is do I care where, when, no, are you getting your job done? Yes. If it requires you to be hand-on and present, then you got to be hands-on and present. But like that example I talked about of the person that worked for us that um, wanted to go work in Germany, I could care right. less. Right. I knew exactly what she would be working on. She had deliverables. I could track everything that I needed to track for her productivity and all that kind of stuff. And I trusted her. So I didn't yeah. care. Yeah, go work in Germany. And if you're going to be on the train and one day you're telling me you're working from a cafe sitting next to the Eiffel Tower, awesome. Right. right? I, I just don't, that's my personal philosophy. And I think there's more of that today. There definitely was not that. And yeah, that, yeah. That's that cultural shift, right? That had to happen. The tech was there, but that's that cultural shift that we had to work through. And we had to put computers in people's homes and realize that they weren't compromising banking information. Yes. You had to pick the right people because if we had picked the worst of the worst, right. Then yeah. there could have been we issues. Be in, but... Yeah. We wouldn't have been at the point that we were, we're at now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I remember too, you, you're right. It was a bit stricter back then. Um, I remember we had to have a dedicated workspace, right? That was like number one or two on the list. And I remember my wife, so I didn't, and at the time, it's my daughter's room now, but at the time she wasn't here, it was my game room. And the closet in there was useless. We were using it for storage. And she gutted that closet and built a night, well, I built a desk, but she kind of designed a nice little workspace for me to where, you know, it. it my Aruba device was uh, in there. It ran uh, up through the attic. I had a, a Ethernet cable from my router up through the attic, down through the closet and it connected to my phone and computer and all of that. It was set up perfectly. And then, like you said, it was, it, we got to a point to where it didn't matter if we were at our dedicated yeah. space to, to be able to be productive. Nobody else could be in like the that. room with you. Right. right? It had to be quiet. Yeah. And this was, this was the case at the bank too, right? Nobody else could be in the room with you and the door had to have a, have a lock. And in the case of people that had laptops, you had to be able to secure it in a drawer that had this. I mean, it almost, back then it was almost like Apple's NDA and agreements to take hardware, prototype right. hardware, right? That you're signing your life away saying, no one will ever see this device. You'll, you know, you're going to be in an interior room with no windows that has six layers of security. They're not that bad, <laughs> but, it's close, right? but that's it how it close, had to yeah. be back then because 
you have to go through this transition of trust and you have to be able to prove that it's going to work. And in order to prove that it's going to work, you have to start as strict as you absolutely can and then open things right. up. Right. Right. And say, okay, this doesn't matter anymore. Oh, I've got a laptop. Well, we used to have to have glare screens on all of our computers, right? So nobody mm -hmm. could see that. Well, we've kind of gone away from that kind of stuff. And, you know, four levels of authentication and um, VPN connections and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, nowadays, a lot of companies, you don't even need a VPN connection. You just sign into Google and get to your Google Docs with your company credentials or you're using Okta, right? SSO or mm -hmm. something like that to get into all of these services. And there is no VPN connection, right? right? right. I mean, yeah, we'll that would VPNs. not have been the case back then. I mean, I still remember sitting in a hotel room in Chicago and listening to a presentation and texting our security lead and saying, am I okay to like tether to my phone and him going, yeah, your phone connection's good because yeah. nobody you're that's harder to interrupt right but do not touch the hotel's <laughs> right wi-fi right even <laughs> with vpn yeah. please don't touch the hotel's wi-fi just use your cellular connection some right. of those conversations right. yeah we we've 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 had that conversation with many people before stay off of the hotel wi-fi yeah i know you're gonna be flying through the um where was it that we had the weird offices somewhere in europe and uh, our execs would be flying through there. We know you're going to be in the off, off, or uh, the airport there. Don't touch the Wi-Fi, please. Yep. Don't touch the Wi-Fi. Here's a hotspot, and we'll connect your phone. You can get to the internet any of these ways. We'll take care yep. of that part. Please don't touch the <laughs> stay off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> public Wi-Fi there, yeah. So. Yeah. And that that's that's part of this journey, right? Getting into whether you want to call it the lifestyle career or the digital nomad life is getting that. Remember I talked about that triple alignment, right? Technology, culture, and laws and legislation. And so yeah. the laws and legislation are slowly, slowly catching up with some of this stuff. Um, the cultural shift, there's a desire for the cultural shift to happen, but there's still some trust and things. I mean, these CEOs saying no one can be more productive somewhere else. Everybody has to be in the office. That kind of a blanket statement is just a lack of understanding and cultural knowledge, right? Because right. yes, there are some jobs that absolutely you need to be in the office. I remember Steve Jobs made somebody, when they found out they were, they were living in Ireland, made them move to the Bay Area if they wanted to continue to do their job, right? And it's yeah. just like, come on. So that, that's this cultural shift. And so there's this fight between the old school, I won't label generations, but there's this fight between this old school philosophy of it. If I don't see you, you're not doing what you're supposed to be. And this mm -hmm. new generation that says, if you don't trust me, I don't want to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this new generation. Let's get back into digital <laughs> nomadism. Did I lead you into that well enough, Jason? <laughs> yeah, Is that, that a good lead a good in segue. for you? Let's talk about this new generation and get back into digital nomadism. So my first question, well, actually my only question, right? We're, we're just going to talk this thing through. Why doesn't this new generation want anything, right? Owning a home, planting roots, like we, like we, we keep saying, um, passing down property and assets through generations, right? It seems to me 
just you know that that standard American dream or the the average, and I you know the quote unquote. I, I'm I'm saying it in quotes because the American dream is what you make of it, right? Everybody's dream is different, but and this is the rant part that I didn't want to sound like an old uh, Kurt Mudgeon. Is it Kurt Mudgeon? An yeah. old man just ranting about. But we'll, we'll see how the AI spells curmudgeon when yeah. it generates the, the text for this. Yeah. So here's my old man rant. Why don't and and I, I can only talk about my sons and 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 you know my my children and, and future generations. Why don't they want anything? Why don't they want things like owning a home? So and I say that because I see so many people younger generations inheriting these houses from their grandparents or their, you know what I mean? And they live in their family home, but they're doing nothing to continue that, that generational wealth or that, or, or, you know, continue the family or expanding that, that uh, taking advantage of that opportunity that's been given to them, that's been left to them. So, and again, I'm not saying digital nomadism is wrong, but what happened to wanting to own a home? What happened to wanting to buy the album instead of just listening to the two songs on Amazon? Why doesn't a generation buy a microwave, right? I mean, why are you ordering every meal through Uber Eats? You don't want to learn to cook. Not everyone has to learn to cook and not everybody's going to be good at it. But these things that that we were we grew up with, we were trained, these responsibilities and things that we, we grew up with, this generation just can't be bothered with having it. And again, I'm not saying they're wrong for it. I'm asking the question, why don't they want these things? Why don't you want to own a home? Why don't you want to have these roots and, and, and have something to pass down to your children, even though you don't have any children yet, right? Yeah. Even though children aren't on the radar for you. And I think when we talked about the article um, via text, I said, my number one problem with this is that you live this lifestyle when you're 20, but when you're 39, you say, I wish I would have bought a home when I was 39 because now the price is tripled from yeah. what it was then. So now I've met the woman or the man of my dreams. I focused on my career and all that. And again, I'm not saying you're wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but you focus on your career right out of college. You know, you lived in Maui for all of these years and you, you know, you, you work for, you know, you work for, for Google, you know what I mean? And they allowed you to live in Maui and all of that. And you met the man of your dreams. And he says, I want to be a school teacher in Detroit. You say, okay, I love my, I love my husband. I want to move with him. So now you're here in Detroit and yes, you can still work. But now again, everything, the property value is way out of reach. You're yeah. having to rent apartment. He's working full time. You're working your excellent job. And you're barely being able to pay for this condo that you're renting and, and things like that. So anyway, I'm, I'm still renting and I'm probably repeating myself, but I don't want my children to live this lifestyle or anyone's children, my grandchildren to make this choice when they're 20. And then again, when they're 40, they're regretting the choices that they made. It's, it's, it's how I'm viewing this. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, there's a couple of pieces to this. One, I think you've got to have some sort of a dream. Okay. Right. So I think number one, that might be one of the problems is people that just don't have plans. They don't have dreams. And so they don't know where they want to go to. They're just going to roll with life. 
Yes. Right. I think that's a little bit of a problem. Yes, you should enjoy the journey, but you got to know where the journey is taking you. Either the journey that you're on currently, where is it going to lead me? And I had a whole series of episodes about this on Leaders Lift. You've either got to know where the current journey I'm on is going to take me, or you've got to know that I need to get to a different journey because I want to go somewhere else. If you don't know any of those things, you're just going to go with the flow because natural (laughs) man wants what is easiest. It's like water. Water is going to take a path. We all have that. Yes, all of us. And it's hard to overcome. The second problem that I've seen is that there's this entitlement thing. So when I think of younger generations, I think they look at their parents and they think, well, I'm entitled to everything my parents have. They don't know that it had to be worked for. Or, and this is what makes, this is what scares me a little bit is, and I mentioned this earlier, is that they look at the quote unquote American dream, owning a home, having roots, you know, having stability, all of those kinds of things. A traditional and, marriage. Yeah. <laughs> That's another that, thing. Right? Yeah. And it seems unattainable. Mm-hmm. You know, put the marriage piece apart, set that aside for just a second. But if we're talking about financial stability and owning a home and being able to retire with a nest egg and pension or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. they look at all of that kind of stuff. And because things are so expensive right now. And there seems to seem no end to that. It just seems like I'm never going to be able to get there. And so you give up to a certain extent, right? Or you start looking for alternatives. But then here's the other thought that came to me while you were talking is how many of these folks, two different things, they could have seen their parents, maybe they didn't see their parents, how their parents got to where they are today. Mm -hmm. Like I worry sometimes with my kids that you know, I've got a nice house and all this kind of stuff. And especially when I was working for a tech company, kind of did whatever I wanted, right? right? And my kids are starting to think about getting out of the house and getting jobs and all that kind of stuff. And they're saying, oh, I'm entitled to have those same benefits that dad had, but they didn't see or they don't remember how hard things were when we were managing apartments and my wife was doing daycare for six kids and I was working full-time doing security work and going to school full-time just to be able to put ends meet on the table. Right. Right. And so they didn't see that struggle, but they see that where we're at now in life and they go, Oh, I'm just entitled. All of that's just going to happen for me. So that's one potential view. But the other view I think, and I think I understand this last one more than any of the others is maybe they saw the struggle that their parents went through and realized that dad was never home or when dad was home, mom was gone because they were both working and it was always about money and always about money and got to make more money or we don't have enough money and, and all of that kind of stuff. And maybe they see that and they go, yeah, that's not what I want. That particular one, I think I could understand better than maybe some of the other, I especially get frustrated with the entitlement and I don't want to work for it. I just want it. Right. Some of that kind of stuff. I, to a certain extent, understand the unreachable piece because it just seems so overwhelming. Like I could hear it in Dustin's voice when he said, I will never be able to own a home. Right. I could just hear it. And he wants to be a musician and not a rock star, you know, making six gazillion dollars a year kind of musician, the kind of musician that teaches and plays in a symphony and does private lessons and you know, wife also has a job in order to make ends meet. And he's just going, I'll never be able to afford a home. So I can hear that. Especially where that is, you know, if he's in New York or somewhere like that. Yeah. 
So I hear that. And then, like I said, maybe they just see this. And I think we do this to a certain extent. If we're never satisfied with where we've gotten in life and we've put in all this work, but we're always talking about what's next and what's next. And our kids are seeing, I've watched them struggle. I've watched mom and dad fight about finances or I've, I've watched all of these things where I've had them tell me, no, we can't afford that. You can't go to so-and-so's birthday party because I can't afford to buy a present for you to take to go, right? If they've right. seen all of that kind of stuff and all of this effort and everything that mom and dad have put in and mom and dad are still going, it's still not good enough. Yeah. So yeah. there, those are my takes on why they do this. And there's a lot of that that's influencing my current state. There's a lot of that, whether you recognize it or not, I think you do. But whether you recognize it or not, there's a lot of that that's influencing what you're doing right, right now with your own business, right? Which is just going, yeah, it's just not. And you're teaching your kids. I see the post. I see your kids out working the events. And I see your right. post, your kids out there helping do this kind of stuff. So you're teaching them those kinds of things. Hopefully, they're picking up on the fact that they're picking up not just on what to do, but the why right. you're doing this. Right. And and that's my number one thing that I want my son to get. So when I talk about my own family, going back to your, the first points you made, um, I see both sides of it. My my oldest son, remember, there's a huge age gap. My my oldest son is 23 and, and my youngest son just turned 13, 24, actually, and, and 13. So I was a different parent raising oh, yeah. my oldest son. Right. Yep. He saw me with the crappy jobs and, and, and he saw me with, you know, struggling and, and, you know, getting the lights cut off and things like that. And then, you know, as he grew up, then I met my wife. Um, I became a different person. I was ready to grow up and become a man then too. And, and that was this shift from the person, even some of the old friends and stuff I run into, I'm not the same person that, that I am now. So got married. Um, about five years into the marriage, then my my oldest, son, my middle son was born. He was born to a different father. Uh, career wise, you know, I was in a better position in my career. I made more money, uh-huh. um, so he didn't have to see the things that he saw. So I see the difference. My oldest son, he knows those struggles and stuff that we've been through and all of that. Whereas, you know, my middle son and my and my daughter, they don't yeah. they don't know any of that. So. Uh, I do try to push him to to come to work and stuff like that. And I tell people all the time, the number one thing I want him to do to get out of life is to be like, man, my dad worked hard. He worked every weekend. He forced me to work every weekend. I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go to college and become a doctor, a lawyer or something. Yeah. Or on the flip side, he's just going to be a hard worker. And I'm happy with either way. You know what I mean? He's going to say, I don't want to do the college thing. I don't want to do the the traditional thing. I'm just going to work hard and support my family and, and things like that. And either way I'll be happy with. So as long yeah. as he's not like you mentioned earlier, just, I'm just going to go with the flow. They're going to leave me this house. They're old anyway. I always have a yeah. place to live. I don't want to work hard for, for things because I know that I have these things, that entitlement thing, you know, I don't want, I don't want uh, them to go through. So yeah, I, I kind of see both sides of that. Are you, uh, of that, you know, that point of view. So you're right. But Man, it just it just frustrates me that, yeah, th- this yeah, you know, we we talked before they're they're having less sex, they're having less traditional marriage, they're not having as many kids and stuff. What what do they want? 
there, there's, there's an element of selfishness to some of this too. Yeah. Right. I want what I want and I don't want to do that. I don't think I want to go into that because boy, you could really get me off right, right. on a tangent there. But, <laughs> you know, I think if I think about what I would want, like you, I, Wyatt will still talk about Saturday mornings when we would go help somebody move or we right. have, you know, somebody that needed, you know, clean up in their yard or something like that. And we would go out and do that. Or we would go out and tear grass out of the front yard to put in rock or, you know, we put literally around my house here, we have 13 tons of rock because we tore out a bunch of bushes and stuff like that and wanted less mm -hmm. maintenance. And he helped shovel all of that rock from the right. truck to the wheelbarrow to spreading it out. And that was a summer. And so he remembers all of that kind of stuff. And I want them to do that. But what I wish I had taught them was that their own dreams and their journey, as long as they're willing to work towards them and go after them, that's what's, that's what's important, right? And that they right. have to work for them. They can't just expect that it's going to come to them. And um, so, you know, I hope they, they get this. And I know we're probably running right at the end here. But, you know, if I think I lost my mom and my dad last right. year, right? And my mom lived with my grandma. So she didn't own any yeah. real estate. Um, once they split, she rented for a long time. And then, you know, once my grandpa passed away, my mom ended up moving in with my grandma. And that was fine. They both needed each other. Um, yeah. but she had no assets from a life of work. Right. I mean, she worked right. when I was growing up, growing up, she went into nursing school and was a nurse. And rarely do I remember her not having to work. Even when my dad was working, my dad was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once he got out of that, did some other stuff and then he got hurt really bad. He ended up with nothing to his name either. Yeah. And I just see how hard their lives were um, to end up with nothing at the end and not to get into it too much, but you know, what was their real goal? I know my mom's goal was taking care of her kids and her grandkids. Right. She just wanted to be in their lives. So she'd rather spend, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars on Christmas to for everybody to have a good Christmas than for her to save up and buy a home. Right. Okay. That's a dream, right? Whether it does sounds like it or not, that's a dream. That's what she would rather do. But I don't know that my dad had any sort of direction or thoughts about wanting his life to be better and wanting to do different things. And so I don't want to make that, wow. that same mistake, right? As I get later in life, I want to make choices that give me choice and give my family choices and that we can enjoy those things that absolutely matter the most. So that's what I think is most important. Number one is knowing yep. what you want to get. This podcast is about getting more out of life through tech, but you and I are both about getting more out of life, period. End of yep. story. In order to do that, you've got to know what you want to get out of life yep. and you've got to be willing to work for it and pay the price. Yeah. Like I tell my son, not a week goes by that I tell my son, don't let 20-year-old Jalen make decisions that's going to affect 40-year-old Jalen. Yeah. So don't make decisions now. It's okay to work in a certain direction, work towards those goals in life, but don't make decisions now that's going to affect 40-year-old Jalen. Don't back yourself into a corner. That's the right. biggest thing. Yeah. Course correcting yeah. along the way, 
always, always going to be course correcting. And that's why I was telling you before we started recording today, I'm trying to figure out, I know where I want to go in this transition. And last mm-hmm. night I couldn't fall asleep because I was trying to figure out every step between here and that end destination. That doesn't work because yeah. life doesn't yeah. work that way. But what I can do <laughs> is say, what are these next two or three things that I can start working on and make yeah. those steps and then go, okay, am I still headed in the same direction? Yes. Do I want to still head in the same direction? Yes. Okay. Now what are the next set of steps that we yeah. need to do? And that's what I, I hope that my kids will do better than, than I did rather. Cause I did much more of the, Nope, I'm just going to go to work. And if I'm making super good money, doesn't matter how yeah. miserable I am or how ornery I am when I get home, you know, yeah. or that I miss things from kids or that two days after my daughter's born, I'm getting my wife telling me go back to work. Right. That's not good. Yeah. And I regret no, those situations in life. And I'm trying not to do that with my grandkids. I'm a different yeah. grandpa than I was a yeah. dad. Yeah. That's why grandpas are so awesome anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All our experiences has, has led us to this position. So we can be better grandpas than we were fathers. So Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think we've gone on long enough. Sorry to folks to 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 hear these grandpas just rant about about life and things like that. But thanks everyone for joining us. And uh we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone.